0: You're gonna remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you wanna to get to a goal, if you wanna to get to your dream, you gotta focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you wanna be great at, whatever you wanna be special at, I'm sure you're, you maybe already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you gonna do to get there? John, you just came back from an incredible experience. We're gonna reverse engineer this thing. You just returned from your 10-day retreat at Vipassana. Yes, sir. And tell everyone from what you know what Vipassana is, and then we'll go back and talk about why you went, okay?
1: So what I know now or yeah, what okay. I knew going into it, well, we'll start it wasn't with, much. Well, what
0: did you think going in?
1: I thought going into it that a lot of successful people whose opinion I respect, had went. And I knew going into it that meditation was beneficial. Mm-hmm. And probably one of the most helpful things I knew going into it was when you told me it was one of the most difficult things you'd ever done.
0: Oh, yeah. That's true, by the way. Super challenging.
1: But other than that, I just knew that I wasn't going to be allowed to talk for 10 days and we were going to be meditating a lot. Did that freak you out,
0: honestly? A little bit. Yeah. Sure. I've never been quiet that long. I don't think any of us have. When was the last time a human being went into something knowing that they wouldn't be allowed to talk for 10 days? I mean, I had my tonsils removed <laughs> once. So. Oh yeah, that could have <laughs> been the this. closest yeah, thing. Yeah, that's interesting. So you, 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 you. What, what made you decide that? Hey, I'm going. Uh, you said a, a, there were a few successful people that you value, value their opinions, but you hear a lot about Vipassana. You think it might be something for you. And then you decide I'm going. What made you uh, go home, get on that computer, and sign up? Because we all have our stories.
1: Right. So. It was a culmination of things over time. The first, the first time I ever heard about a retreat like this was several years ago, mm-hmm. and full disclosure, I thought it was kind of weird. Of course. But it was the CEO of the company that I was working for, he went, and I, like I said, I value his opinion, I have a lot of respect for him, and I've seen since I first heard about it several years ago what he's done with that company. It's Carlos de Solo. He's the CEO of CareMax. Okay. And in just a few short years, he's went from less than five locations, medical clinics locally, mm-hmm. to now he's acquiring medical clinics all over the country. Dozens. Wow.
0: That's impressive. Right. Super so, impressive.
1: So that planted the seed. Mm-hmm. And then I think I've seen it on TV a couple of times. Mm-hmm. That show Billions. Oh, yeah. And um, you hear about it. Like the CEO of Twitter went. Mm-hmm. And you're the one that told me that he doubled the size of the company after he got back.
0: Yeah, that's what I was told. That intrigued me.
1: Right. And it was already Twitter at that point. Yeah. You know, to me, that would be like LeBron James going to a basketball camp and doubling his vertical in 10 days. That's crazy. Yeah. So I kept hearing it from from solid sources. And then finally... Well, I started listening to these podcasts Mm -hmm. and it came up on several occasions and I always heard good things about it. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I kept hearing about it and from credible sources, coupled with the fact that I first started dabbling with meditation in law school. Okay. So I recently graduated from the University of Miami and the University of Miami School of Law is one of the first law schools in the country to implement a mindfulness program. And it's run by Scott Rogers. So I ended up taking mindfulness as a blow off class. It was my last semester of law school and I was tired of reading.
0: Blow off class, I love that. You all know what that means. Stop acting like you don't know what it means.
1: (laughs) And um, I walked in there, the the biggest skeptic of the class, and my first first experience with the course, he really didn't do himself any favors. I showed up late the first class Mm -hmm. and I walk in and everybody's standing up, and they've got their arms outstretched. And there's a little white-haired man standing in the front of the room, and he goes, I'm a tree. That's so And funny. together, <laughs> we're a forest. Cool. And I said, what the hell did I just walk into? Yeah. <laughs> I almost yeah. turned around and left. Sure. But in taking that class throughout the course of the semester, I went from being the biggest skeptic to one of the biggest advocates for it. So the fact that I kept hearing about Vipassana, coupled with the fact that I learned the importance that mindfulness is gonna have on my career. Mm. And then lastly, I um, just a little background information, I had a severe traumatic brain injury when I was a kid. So ever since that time, I've been fascinated with how the mind works. And I've had to do a little bit of rehab work from that. And mm-hmm. so it's just a combination of everything. But the, the straw that broke the camel's back, when I decided to actually pull the trigger was that conversation we had about it. And you told me that it changed your life. And the one thing that stuck with me is you said that when you walked out of there at the end, you were like, wow, I'm awake
0: now. Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget it. You know, um, Chris, who's been on this show, my business partner, um, he he talked about it. And he told Mm -hmm. me like, you know, I have to go. And I was like, yeah, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know me. Like, I don't know why he thinks that. I mean, of course he knows me, but like, he doesn't know how my brain works. That's what I meant. Um, but the more I push back on it, the, the secret to that is the the more someone pushes back on something, the more it's probably true. Um, right. It's like, you know, I, I always stop and ask myself questions. And I was thinking, because, just because you told me, like, I didn't want to go. Like, I don't think it was necessary for me to go, honestly. But... I did see a significant change in him, and to me, that was powerful. So I was thinking, if it changes him in a positive way, maybe it can change me in a positive exactly. way. exactly you know so.
1: so what made you
0: finally pull the trigger and sign up? I was just going through some things and, and you know, I think in life you there's so many people that just don't hold themselves accountable. Uh, don't apologize don't you know ask themselves what is wrong what could I be better at right and it's one thing to admit all those things it's another thing to want to fix them and then implement a plan so I've noticed that in life there's there's so many there's so few people who actually want to make a change and I've heard I'm not saying you have to go to this like no you're not supposed to they tell you you're not supposed to push it on people and, right. and and I agree with that completely and but I I noticed that of the people who actually go very small percentage most people push back on it or there's a, a big bucket of people who say oh I'm definitely going but they're never gonna go right that's just who they are right and that doesn't mean they're good or bad that's just who they are so I said, you know what? I really don't want to go to this thing. It's something I don't want to do. However, if there's a possibility that it could make me make a change as it made in Chris, I'm going to go. So I just signed up. And another thing that was big for me when people say, hey, you should go take a trip, trip excuse me, to Greece or Spain, you always think, well, I don't know. How much is that flight going to cost? How much is yeah. it going to cost me to go there? The thing about Vipassion is it's free.
1: Right. And what's fascinating about that is not only is it free to us to attend, but the way they're able to provide it to us for free is because it's 100% funded by former students. That's right. So that shows you that the people, and they've got centers all around the world. Mm -hmm. So that shows you that the people that go, it has such a positive transformational impact on their life that they are able to sustain this program worldwide.
0: Right. And... Even the workers, how many times did they say, come back, serve, serve others? And I was thinking, you know, that sounds like something like I would actually do. Because imagine the entire grounds crew, the people in the kitchen, people in the cleanup staff, they're all not talking. Right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how they get things done? And now we're over communicating in life and we still can't get it done. Right. You know, so. Right.
1: Speaking of serving, hopefully this counts as something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs)
0: Exactly. This counts. You get a point for this. Point point zero one. So you sign up. uh, You decide you're going. What was going through your mind uh, leading up or the week leading up to you leaving? What were you thinking? What was going through your mind? Well, I tried not to think about it too much. Yeah. Smart. I didn't want to
1: get cold feet. Smart. But it was something that I knew I was going to do because I believed it was going to work for me. Mm -hmm. And... I had no choice because I made sure I told everybody I was going. Right. Yeah, smart. So my word is my bond. So I I made sure that I I had to go. But going into it, I tried not to have any expectations. Mm -hmm. In fact, I talked to the two people I knew who had went before. Mm -hmm. I got your advice and Mm -hmm. I got Carlos's advice, Mm -hmm. and both of y'all said the same thing. You know, don't don't have any expectations. Mm -hmm. That being said, how can you not? Yeah, of course. So. I was a little bit nervous, especially <laughs> when we had our talk and I said, yeah, but Mark, this this isn't, it's not like it's the hardest thing you've ever had to do, right? And you got real serious yeah. and you said, no, nah, John, it probably yeah, is. Yeah,
0: this is, I mean, you know when you hear people like Goggins, David Goggins, everyone knows oh, yeah. who David Goggins is and he's, he's an ultra marathoner. He's the man. Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from David Goggins because, man, he does some insane things, but it's a it's an amazing feat what he's doing but i'm just not overly impressed by that and let me tell you why because at this point he's done so many of those that he's actually in his comfort zone there's no <laughs> there's no doubt that it's painful right there's no doubt that it's uncomfortable but that's where he's most comfortable right that's a right? good point right so people are like hey uh why did you start rowing i started rowing because it was so miserable but it's not miserable anymore. It used to be miserable. Right. Now, if I do a 2K, there's certain, rowing workers are called pieces, there's certain ones that are super challenging, and I know it's going to sting and burn, but it's still manageable. Right. right. Because I've done it so many times. But this, the physicality of things have become easier for Mark. But the mental and emotional right. things are very hard. And that's what most people say, go away with that. And you know it just by, it's like when you give someone a compliment, hey, you look amazing today. And they say, hey, well, the weather's great. Right. They told you just go away with that compliment because I can't accept that. Right. So I realized that this is something that I don't like. I'm not as vulnerable as I'd like to be. I don't feel good about who I am on the inside. I have a high level of imposter syndrome and I and I want to feel better inside right? No one can see 100%
1: right? So please. Yeah. So let's break
0: that down a little bit. First Mm -hmm. off,
1: I love to hear somebody in your position with the success that you've acquired in your life. Just be transparent and say, I suffer from imposter syndrome. No, for sure. Because nobody would know that looking at you or hearing your story. And to know that the people that are the most successful still go through the same challenges and struggles and doubt that i do and that everybody does Mm -hmm. it's inspiring man because a lot of the times it's that self-doubt that will prevent you from taking the first step
0: oh yeah it's um just the other day i had a i was training a client and the client was warming up on a machine and let's say they were running at like 8.0 well they ran at 8.0 for like a minute and then they would rest for a minute well, when we started, they do that on their own. When we started, we got up to like 10.5. And we finished at 11.5. And he said, I've never ran 11.5 in my entire life. I just ran six times for a minute. I said, what does that tell you? He said, it tells me that my standards are too low. Yep. And that I don't believe in myself enough right, to get to or where I'm capable. And it was it was telling because I said, like you look at your whole life like that. like You're capable of so much more. You just don't believe in yourself. And I always right. say more important than other people believing in you is you believing in yourself. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. If you don't believe it, it doesn't matter. Right. Absolutely.
1: And um, I've got a personal story along the same lines, mm-hmm. too. So I'm from a real small town in Texas. Okay. But... Ironically, I grew up a diehard Miami Hurricanes fan. Oh wow. I mean since I was old enough to, you know, sit on my dad's lap and watch football. Right. Now granted, that's when the U was in their prime. Yeah. Great teams. Yeah. But uh I always said I was gonna go there. That being said, nobody in my family had ever been to college. And in the small rural town where I'm from, not too many people go to college. Mm. I don't even think our valedictorian went to college. Wow. So that was a really big dream of mine. And part of me knew that I could do it, but I was scared. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to my sophomore year of high school, UM came to Houston for a recruiting event. and I, I went. Love that. I went. That's great. And um, got all the information, signed up for their, their mailing list and all that. And I remember a uh, few weeks later, I got a letter from them. And I've still got the letter in my mail tray. I love it. And it was basically telling me what the next step would be to apply to their university. And I still remember, I've got the image burned in my head, the moment I let go of that dream. I was driving, and I remember I was daydreaming about going to UM for college. And I just remember saying... Stuff like that doesn't happen to people like me, people like us. And I just accepted the fact that I wasn't good enough.
0: Pretty sad. Yeah. Where do you think that came from?
1: Yeah. It's a good
0: question. I mean,
1: I think that's just natural.
0: Natural self-doubt.
1: Natural self-doubt. I think that's part of the human psyche. It's something that we all struggle with.
0: I think there's a, um, you know, survival teaches us we always take the path of least resistance and least resistance could mean least amount of pain hardship and adversity and knowing that hey i'm going to go to the university of miami i'm going to go to school there it's going to be incredibly challenging let me just tell myself it's not for me right absolutely let me tell myself it's not for me because and and by the way you'd be shocked or you maybe you wouldn't be shocked maybe you experienced it here's a question how many people Agreed with you. Yeah, it's probably not for you. Yeah, you want to think hard Everybody. about that. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. Try to talk you out of it almost. Absolutely.
1: It's like the whole crab in the bucket. The crabs in the bucket. I'm oh, sure, yeah. you sure you've heard that story.
0: Many, I, I live it in some right. aspects. Yeah.
1: So for, for those who haven't, if you take a bucket and fill it full of crabs, if one crab tries to crawl out, the other crabs will grab it and pull it down. And if that crab continues to try to escape, they'll break its legs Mm -hmm. so that it can't move. And in life. Sounds like life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the same with
0: people. And I think I've always said that it's so important to figure out who the heroes are in your life. And people say, wait a minute, Mark, what about the people who are telling you, you know, to be realistic? And I go, that's a dangerous word, realistic, yeah. because what's realistic to you and what's realistic to me are two very different things. Right. You know what you went through. You know your experiences, what your life is comprised of, and your traumas. My life is going to be very different because I decide. So So the people will try to push their stuff on you. you got to be super mindful of that.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, they're gonna put their own insecurities and their own self-doubt on you because mm-hmm. people may say they wanna see you succeed, but they don't wanna see you doing better than them. Oh, I've heard that before, I've heard that before. So going back to this uh, admissions letter, mm-hmm. it was th- 2004, It's okay. 2004, so I decided that I wasn't good enough to even be accepted to undergrad at UM. It took me a long time to overcome that self-doubt. But if you fast-forward 14 years later, I got a full-ride scholarship to their law school. It's incredible. So that's why I've kept that letter. Because there was a time when I was concerned about whether I was actually good enough just to be accepted to undergrad. And I believed that I wasn't. But in, in reality, I was good enough to not get into their undergrad, but to get into their law school, and have them pay for it. It's incredible. Now, the lesson there is, is the 14 years that they weren't wasted, because you know, I did a lot of personal development, yeah. and a, a lot of growth, yeah. but I could have saved myself a lot of time, and I could be a lot further along in my career, mm-hmm. had I have just believed in
0: myself a little bit more. It's so interesting you say that, because, so now when people hear this podcast, they're going to say, Hey, you know what that means? Hey, I should be doing this. Why aren't, you know, I'm let me be the person in charge, the boss, open up this big business, whatever it may be. I think you have to be super careful because we're talking about two different things. What he's talking about is believing in yourself, doing the work, taking all the necessary steps to get there and right. getting there. You know, when people say, Hey, I'm the best at this. That's great, but the world doesn't reward statements like that, and you don't really <laughs> learn that until you're maybe in your 20s or whatever it is, mid-20s, or when you're trying to do things. The world rewards what is earned and how you get results. If you want to look at what you're capable of, just look at your behaviors and your results because that's what you're capable of. Remember, the world doesn't reward statements such as, you know, I think I'm the best. Well, I am i the best based off of what? It could be, in, are you profitable? Are you, um, you know, what What do others say about your business? What do others say about your behavior? What do others say about your performance? Because if, you know, three people close to you tell you you're awful, but 300 people say you do great things, pay attention to what the majority is saying, right? Absolutely. That doesn't mean you can't learn great lessons from those three people, but you got to be mindful that those three people aren't just trying to be the crab in the bucket, right? Absolutely. So you go to, that's that was an amazing story. Thank you for taking us through it. It's a hell of an accomplishment. Way okay, to go. Thank you. Seriously. Thank it's you. It's incredible. So then you sign up for Papashna, You're on your way and you're heading there. Take us through that experience. Okay.
1: Well, it was a six-hour drive up to the center. We had to go to Georgia. You went to Georgia. Right. Okay. So I wanted to do it in Massachusetts. Yeah, that's well, where I went. That's truth where Chris be, went to. Right. Yeah. Truth be told, I wanted to do it in the Bahamas. <laughs> they have one in the Bahamas. They do, oh, they do. That's but you my know, next. but with COVID, they've got the rules where right. you're, you know, you've got to go to the one closest to you. Okay. So I've got a six-hour drive to Georgia. I made sure I listened to a lot of music because you can't listen to music. You, yeah. you can't do anything. Yeah. You're literally there for ten days alone with your thoughts. You can't bring a book to read. You're not mm. even allowed pen and paper to write.
0: No journaling. No. Like, it's the perfect time to do it too. Right? I know. Yeah.
1: I actually had a journal on deck sitting in the passenger seat so the second this thing ended i could climb in my car and write everything down so smart yes sir so on the drive there i'm just trying to relax and i'm i'm nervous but i'm also excited Mm -hmm. and i'm really looking forward to the challenge because i know hell if i can do this i can do just about anything that's right so i get there um got a late late start that day so the check-in process, it's a, it's a two-hour window. Okay. They get there towards the tail end of it. And you've got to get COVID tested before they let you in. Yep. So I'm sitting outside for 15 minutes waiting on this rapid test to come back. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to one of the ladies who's hosting, who's serving. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I said, you got any advice for this thing? And she just kind of laughed and shook her head. <laughs>
0: Isn't it funny everyone does the same thing? <laughs> they do.
1: They do. And I said, well, let me ask you this. How was your first experience? And I'm looking, I'm fishing for something positive. You know, "Oh, it was wonderful. I had so much, it helped me so much. She just looked me dead in my eyes and said, excruciating.
0: (laughs) And she was serious. She wasn't joking. Dead serious,
1: dead serious. So then they let us into this room and they've got the girls and the guys segregated. And um, it's set up for like an orientation. Well, I walk in, and I know that this is the last time that we're going to be able to talk for 10 days. And I walk in, and the room's dead silent. And so I'm looking around. I see a lot of nervous looks on people's faces. Some of the people are already meditating. And men and women in there right now. Yeah, men and women. And because I was a little late, the room was pretty much full.
0: Yeah, you're standing in the back.
1: Well, yeah, I'm looking for a seat. So I'm standing dead center in the middle of the room, and I'm looking around, and I want to talk because this is my last chance. And so as an icebreaker, I tried to crack a joke that didn't go over too well. So I walk in, I see what everybody's doing, it's dead silent, and I go, y'all know this hasn't
0: started yet, right? Oh no! And everyone's like, "Don't mess with my chi." I'm focused. Yeah, bro. man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it would be like trying to crack a joke like that at church. You know, it's not really the the right environment. Oh no. So, so I, I sit down and um, I had a similar experience to what you had. I'm sitting there and I'm waiting on somebody to come out and start this orientation. Still, nobody's talking. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there in silence, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting and man 15 or 20 minutes must have went by mm-hmm. and i start getting agitated of course like, let's get this show on the road which is I- a great sign because that's why you're there exactly <laughs> exactly very impatient yeah so i'm wondering are they ever going to start this thing so i start scanning the room and i find the clock
0: Oof. mark two minutes had went by i feel like an hour two minutes oh geez. two minutes that's funny And you're like, it had to be 25 minutes. Why am I waiting so long? Right, right.
1: It reminded (laughs) me of the story that you talked about. Yeah. And then that's when I knew that it was going to be a long haul.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they give you the orientation, and it starts, and you go into your first meditation. There's no talking. There's no eye contact. How did you feel going into the first meditation?
1: Well, I didn't know we were going to meditate. They don't I, really tell you much. They don't. Yeah, They it's don't. It's kind
0: of like just pay attention and do whatever else you're yeah, doing.
1: Yeah, I was expecting to kind of check into my room, listen to their orientation, and, and relax. So I thought the work was going to start the next day. Mm. So I wasn't too happy about starting early and then not counting towards the 10 days. Right, 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 right. And so I go in, and I'm like a fish out of water. I mean, I've I've done some 15-minute meditations, maybe a half hour once. But I wasn't prepared to meditate for an hour straight, not on day zero.
0: No joke, I no mean, joke.
1: I don't even know how to sit.
0: Yeah, are you sitting on the floor?
1: Yeah, so they've got one, those um, double-decker cushions yeah, for you yeah, to sit course. on, and you got it's your assigned seat. Much needed. Yeah, <laughs> so that first hour, it was bad. I was fidgety, I couldn't get my mind to quiet down, I was annoyed, agitated, and um, somehow stumbled my way through it. Mm-hmm. And then they send you home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait,
0: wait, you skipped a lot. So you you meditate for an hour, then you leave, and you go back to your room.
1: Yeah, well, I did skip over a lot. So I walk in there. I'm expecting some sort of guidance because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a novice meditator. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm not the only one.
0: Of course. There may be five people in that room who've done it before. I did this maybe i don't know as many as half possibly but not through the experience
1: right and so i just kind of follow everybody else's lead they sit down indian style and close their eyes so that's Mm -hmm. what i do and then the instructors come out you know looking like monks right and then they sit in the they don't say a word they just sit down and they start meditating Mm -hmm. and then this song comes over the speakers chanting yeah the chanting yeah but it's not typical chanting
0: like no, you would expect if you were gonna do a YouTube meditation. Not at all, not at all. It's really not. It's um, and it's like seven minutes long. Exactly. Yeah. So you know you're seven minutes in. That's the upside to that, right? Right. Like, <laughs> Especially right, at the uh, end. Yeah. Oh yeah. Music when you hear to, it, music I'm to there. Your ears. I'm there. Exactly. Because the chanting starts the meditation. You meditate, and then it ends the meditation. Yeah. So. You know that all right. I'm gonna get a break here, and I get up, stretch my legs, and walk around a little bit because it's 10 hours of meditation. Is it? It's a 10 hours meditation a day.
1: I thought it was 10 going in. It's actually 11. Oh, 11. Plus the hour and 15 minute video.
0: Oh, at the recourse course, the core discourse. Exactly. Night. Yeah, that's right.
1: But those discourses those were a treat. Yeah, man. they were a treat, weren't they? It was like a little kid watching cartoons. Right.
0: So what John's referring to is the in the evening they do like the lesson for the day and its um the the head of Vipassana and what he's Gunka. Gunka. Yeah. And he's he'll take you through a lesson. And Vipassana is not a religion, it's not a cult, it's not uh Politics—it's just a way of life. It's called the the law of life, and it explains if you find yourself thinking this way. Here is something to think about. Here is something to be mindful of, and it's—I call him like, you know—the mentor to Tony Robbins. He's so enlightening if you really pay attention. Absolutely. It's pretty deep. It's pretty impressive. this stuff you're looking at this guy like this guy can't teach me anything. And the first night I was there, I fell asleep during it. And everyone started laughing, and I woke up, and I couldn't believe everyone was laughing, having a good time. And I was thinking, I missed that moment, and I needed a moment like that. So I started to pay attention. And that's another thing. People think that when the the lights are off and you're meditating, you're going to fall asleep. You might fall asleep for the first day, maybe the first two days. right? But then after doing nothing for a few days and getting like nine hours of sleep, you're going to be completely rested, and I promise you, you are not falling asleep.
1: Right, right. So what was interesting, and I learned on this trip is, when you're meditating, that reduces the amount of sleep that you require. That's right. And I'm sure your experience was the same. I had no problem falling asleep at night.
0: Oh, not at night. It's like the best sleep you've ever had in your life. Right. Because you're going to bed at the same time. You're right. waking up at the same time like clockwork. And I bet you had wild dreams as well. Very vivid dreams. Yeah, I had vivid dreams. And I was like, I feel completely refreshed because you're sleeping in excess. You're not training. So you're not blowing off energy and right. burning calories. And your mind is actually, I wouldn't say at peace, but more at peace than it usually is. So all of a sudden, you're like, why do I feel like I'm floating? Right. Because you're actually giving your body what it needs for the first time in your life. Right.
1: Yes, sir. So going back to answer your question. So I stumbled through the first hour, and then they send you the room for the night. And I didn't sleep too well that first night. Probably nerves. But I knew I had work to do. So when that gong, they wake you up with a gong at 4 a.m., yeah. by the way. Yeah. So when I heard that gong at 4 a.m., I was ready to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And then that started day one, oh, yeah. which was one of the longest days of my life.
0: Oh, yeah. And then were you thinking, how am I going to get through this? <laughs> Honestly.
1: Yeah, but again, I tried not to think about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: that's smart, though. That's Be- smart.
1: Because here I was fresh off of my first hour meditation that I thought was never gonna end, and I've got to replicate that eleven times times ten.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So you wake up and you do a meditation and then you have the first meal. There's only two meals while you're there. The first meal is at six thirty AM. Tell us about your first experience were you with right. breakfast. With breakfast right
1: which which reminds me of another point. When you were talking a little bit ago about how when you took on rowing, it was uncomfortable at first. Or how if you're going to run a a half marathon, it's uncomfortable at first. But all of those things are still within your wheelhouse. They fall under the umbrella of exercise. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Not only is this completely outside of our comfort zones, it's actually counterproductive to what we do in the gym. Eating two meals a day with no protein Mm -hmm. for 10 days straight and no exercise, that in itself is is the challenge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but going back to the first meal it's a good thing i didn't have too many expectations because there wasn't much yeah. it was like a step above a continental breakfast oh, at, yeah. at a hotel oh yeah they had hot oatmeal that's right which saved my life and i was like a bartender back there mixing everything i could get my hands <laughs> on into the oatmeal trying oh, to yeah. get the, the calories Did up. they have
0: the prunes and stuff like that yeah the hot prunes yeah you're like, I've never had this, but everyone's doing it. Let's <laughs> right. try it. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And you're, 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 you're stacking things on your plate. And these people come up with these crazy concoctions. You can't believe they're putting that in their body. But the irony is you could eat like a truck in these two meals and people still lose weight. And you're not doing anything. Absolutely. Isn't that wild? It is. It is. So you, you eat your first meal. You go back. You do I think two or three more meditations, and then you have your lunch meal, which is your last meal of the day, and that's at eleven. A. Eleven a.m. That's right.
1: Last yeah. meal of the day, and um, you know when at parties people put out the the best alcohol first. Oh yeah, It's kind of what they did at Vipassana. They they roll out the best meal first.
0: Oh, the first day. The first day. Oh yeah.
1: The first day. That was that was my favorite. And I said, you know, this this isn't going to be so bad yeah. after all. Yeah. And I, I eat meat; I'm not a vegetarian, but I, I found that it was delicious. Mm-hmm. So the good thing is you can go back for seconds. And I made sure I treated it like you know Thanksgiving, like a plate in each hand, oh, yeah. multiple rounds.
0: Oh yeah, you have
1: to. And and thank God for the salads, man, because that was th- that was the constant that was oh, there. Yeah. Oh yeah. So anyway, so I eat as much as I can at 11 a.m. And then you go back to meditating, and I don't know how they structured yours, but you build up throughout the day to the longer sessions. Mm-hmm. So you've got you wake up at four by four thirty, you've got two hours. Mm-hmm. Then you get to eat breakfast, then you go in, then you go for three hours, then you get lunch, but then in the afternoon you've got the four hour session looming over your it head. It feels
0: forever. It feels like it's forever.
1: It does, and they it's not it's not four hours consecutive, but you'll do an hour session. And you get like a five-minute break and then you do the two-hour sessions those were tough especially in the beginning and then you've got the hour and then you get that tea time break that's right in the evening no yeah. food yeah
0: you get tea you yeah. need to to you get to uh satisfy yourself with a nice lipton tea it's yeah. awesome a piece a
1: piece of fruit if you're lucky yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they put it out <laughs> right <laughs> right but. so that first day like I said, it was the longest day of my life. And I remember crawling in bed that night and saying, I've got to do this 10 more times. Mm-hmm. And it, it brought me back to my first semester of law school, which in law school, your first year is always the most difficult. It's kind of like a, a boot camp. Right. They're trying to weed out the ones who don't really want it. That's true. And so after our first semester, which is notoriously one of the most difficult, and my, my buddy, who's probably one of the smartest kids in our class, was like, we have to do that five more times but just like in vipassana you you kind of grow into it yeah so i knew at the end of the first day that it was going to be a very very difficult daunting task to make it through Mm -hmm. another nine more of those
0: oh yeah for sure i mean you know what the interesting part is like you're 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 there your first day you were talking about the uh orientation you're already agitated you realize, like, I'm not even, like, scratching or the tip, getting the tip of the iceberg on the first day. What day did you say, all right, this is hard? And then that forces you to take a look at yourself. And that's the, for everyone listening, that's the nature of Vipassana. When we strip you away from your pad, your pen, books, music, cell phone, email, talking, eye contact you're forced to take a good look at yourself absolutely it's so natural right
1: absolutely yeah you're you're
0: walking that path alone
1: alone solitary it, yeah then. it's
0: just you and your thoughts that's right so you you're there in your what day is it where you start to say, like really like take a good look at yourself and you're like, Shit, like i got a lot of things to work on
1: day three and it wasn't by choice
0: what happened on day three
1: so I don't I don't want to give away spoilers for people who might attend the course, mm-hmm. but your first three days, you're just doing prep work for Vipassana. And the prep work is nothing more than breath work. And the reason that you have to do that is during those first three days, you're conditioning your mind to get ready to actually implement the technique. So you start off the first day, you're just conscious of the fact that you're breathing they want to want you to focus on your breath and then they get more and more concise by day two they're saying you know in addition to the fact that you're paying attention to your breath focus on the sensations that you experience like in your nostrils when the air flows in and the air flows out and focus on that and then day three it's even more subtle they say Focus on the light sensation that you might feel at the top yeah, of your yeah, lip, yeah. your upper lip How when you, when you exhale oh, my over and over and I'm over. Like, if you <laughs> say
0: that one more time, I'm going to go crazy.
1: <laughs> exactly. Going crazy <laughs> as mean, it is yeah, by this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So it was really cool, though. And, and the, the, the discourses did a, a very good job explaining like the reasons behind why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And what it was doing was it was sharpening your mind to be more in tune with the subtle sensations in your body because that is going to come into play when you start exercising vipassana. So, day 3, and I was debating on how many people I was going to tell this part of the story to. I,
0: I know I know I know, you're gonna, I know exactly <laughs> what he's going to say. I, I I guess everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, different people have different types of experiences with this thing and The instructors will tell you, like, don't even try to explain it. Like, you can't really explain it. You just got to experience it. And to an extent, that's true. Mm -hmm. But on day three, I felt like I actually had visions. Mm -hmm. I was in a really deep meditative state. And it goes from where you're not aware of anything other than your breath to all of a sudden you slip into like a dreamlike state but you're not dreaming. Right. I mean, maybe lucid dreaming, although I, I don't even know if that's real or not. Mm-hmm. People say it is, mm-hmm. but I've never experienced it. So it's like you're in a dream, but you're, you're fully aware of everything, including the fact that you need to stick to your breath. Mm-hmm. And so the the first experience I had like that, it was like I got a visit from my mentor. And I'd like to put a, a pin in, the, in this part of the story and give you the, the backstory to that part. Mm-hmm. So my mentor, my first mentor was my high school coach. Okay. And he was a badass football coach that came into my little small town. He didn't stay there for long cuz mm. he was he was too good for our little school. But while he was there, he he and I bonded. See, I mentioned that I had a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. So when you get a head injury to that extent, you really don't have any business playing football. So mm. I never I never got to to suit up playing football because i got hurt when i was a kid right and i mean you know with the nature of concussions and stuff in the nfl now so i never got to play football and growing up in texas with the friday night lights that was tough
0: oh i'm sure it's everything
1: on top of that i don't really have the best uh genetics when it comes to being an athlete i was the skinniest weakest kid in my school and i don't say that as a figure of speech i mean We had a competition in athletics class. I came in dead last. And after that, I went to this football coach, and I told him, I said, man, I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. You know, I'm not going to be the skinniest, weakest kid forever. Mm -hmm. I can't play for you because, you know, I got hurt. Mm -hmm. But can I start working out with y'all? And this coach took me under his wing, and he ended up, he would train me one-on-one after he got done with football practice in the evenings. And he was only there for like a year, a year and a half, we did that, and I was able to make some progress. But what he taught me during that time, the lessons, and I've heard you say this, the lessons you learn in the gym, you can apply universal to life. Absolutely, absolutely. So the things that he taught me in the gym, I was able to take and run with. And ended up becoming a personal trainer. Couldn't afford one, so I became one. And um, after he left, we lost touch for a little while but um i kept going with everything that he taught me and i ended up getting in really good shape myself wasn't the skinniest weakest kid anymore awesome and then um, not only that but was able to take the the principles he taught me and apply them to everything in life school work everything so you fast forward i think we went 12 or 13 years Mm -hmm. losing touch and I, I tried to look him up at several points along the way, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't find him online to track him down. Right. But then after I fulfilled this lifelong dream with UM in the law school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I looked him up again and I found him. So we reconnected after like 12 or 13 years, and um, I gave him a thank you note. And inside the note was my scholarship letter, and he knew wow. I, he knew what I wanted to do back in high school. Mm-hmm. And I basically told him I was like coach. You know, I I wouldn't have been able to do this without you. Like, you helped me overcome my biggest insecurity. And once I did that, like, I realized I could do everything. And it's the lessons that you taught me in the gym that got me to this point. So he and I got to be really close again. Man, it wasn't a few months after we reconnected that he found out he had stage four cancer.
0: Oh, man. And
1: at that time, he had went from, you know, my school, which was in one of the smallest size schools there is Mm -hmm. two way to now he was coaching at one of the largest schools at like the top level of competition Mm -hmm. in fact he was coaching at the high school where drew Brees was the quarterback back in the day wow and that was tough man because i was starting law school i just got my mentor back you know and we reconnected after all these years everything was great but and he had never won a state championship and i told him i said coach don't be surprised if that team rallies around you yeah yeah. and y'all win a state championship and when that happens, I'll be there. And that, that year, they made it one game away from it. Wow. But they went back the second year, and they made it. And I flew in. They played in the Cowboys Stadium in Dallas. Wow. And I was able to see them win the state championship.
0: What's the high school? Do you know?
1: Westlake in West, Texas. They
0: have a great team. He's yeah. the, He was the coach? He wasn't the head coach, no, but okay. he was on the coaching staff. That's amazing. Assistant. That's amazing. Yeah. Great team.
1: And then, um, you know, well, he, he passed about a month after that sorry and you know it's super it,
0: tough I,
1: it is it is you still have your coach right
0: yeah as a matter of fact my high school coach is coming down and I'm going to uh, meet with him and his family this week to have dinner that's awesome man yeah. he was a huge part of my life yeah you have to cherish that oh yeah oh yeah so during this Vipassana you know you said you have visions did, did he come into one of those videos? he did he did it was one
1: of the first visions and it was cool it was a, just true to his character, he was like, hey, man, I see what you're doing. You know, it's, it's really cool and I want to let you know, like, I'm proud of you. You got this, but shit's about to get real.
0: That's <laughs> funny, funny. Leave it to a coach to always tell it like it is. Yeah.
1: And sure enough, man, after that, then the real vision started hitting. And you relive some of the most difficult moments of your life, the stuff that you suppress, the stuff that you're not proud of,
0: Go away with that. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. The stuff that you don't want to think about. Mm-hmm. And when I say you relive it, I mean it's like you're witnessing through your own eyes again. And the way that Vipassana explains it is it's almost like you're doing brain surgery. And when you cut open that into that wound, pus is going to flow. And oh, you've yeah. got to get rid of this garbage. And so it was really challenging because you know that you've got to work through this stuff. hmm and the only weapon you have to fight back is is your breath and not letting it affect you All right which is the whole point of vipassana it's training you to remain calm in every situation yeah and to not not react regardless of how difficult or confrontational the situation gets
0: All right don't let your emotions override your positive or good state so to speak right yeah super tricky man <laughs> You had some wild, wild visions and dreams, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then you, when you finally come out of it, you realize like you're sweating from head to toe and yeah. you're almost hyperventilating, you're breathing so hard.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, you know, when you're training and you're doing crazy sets or sled pushes or deadlifting, you're like, man, that was intense. This is intense in a whole different way. It's yeah. really intense. They go, how can it be intense? I'm sitting down, working on my breathing. I said, all I say is you'll see. Yeah. You'll see. Just give me the sled. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Most people prefer the sled. And by the way, that's why they train for two or three hours to numb themselves, just like people do with alcohol and drugs. I've certainly been there with numbing myself through training. Right. So you you get there. Now, take us through. You meditate eight, nine days. You're in there. And then on the final day, you break noble silence, right? Right. What was that like?
1: It was interesting. I mean... I expected I'd come out talking like an auctioneer, you know, like everything had been built up, but mm. man, I wasn't in a hurry to start talking mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. You, know? you didn't want it to stop kind of exactly, right? exactly. At that point, <laughs> I was still real introspective and doing work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was it was very refreshing, obviously, to have a conversation. And what was cool is you're able to bond with the people that you've right. been through this journey with. And that you haven't been
0: able to communicate with you don't know him. right you don't know anything about them you feel like you do yeah now yeah exactly <laughs> you see people did you see people crying and hurting oh yeah yeah oh yeah and then when you break noble silence one of my things was i i wanted to ask people how was it for you like right. what did you go through and uh i remember never forget this guy I was sitting next to me he said you know I was traveling for work for two weeks. I came home for a day, and my wife told me I really should go. I was contemplating, and she said I really need to go. So I came here. He said, the whole time, I was thinking about my kids and my wife. And he goes, it was hard. And he started crying, like really crying, like right in front of me. And I was like, yeah, you know, you went through something really special, and I was trying to like almost coach him through it, but everyone was struggling. Oh, yeah. And you could see it on their face. Right. Right. So did you have conversations like that when when you broke noble silence? Oh yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Everybody circled around and we just started sharing stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's refreshing. Um, So then you leave. And now remember, Vipassana is, there's no payment. It's only like you can make a donation if you choose. So... That's just something I want the listeners to pay attention to. You don't have to, you know, be wealthy to go there. You just have to sign up and maybe there's a wait list because there usually is. But, John, now you leave in your – what did you feel like when you got back in your car? What kind of things did you put down on your notepad? What well, what shifts did it make in you? Like, you know, you're going to give our listeners, you know, a handful of things that shifted.
1: Absolutely. If any. Yeah, so it's a very unique feeling because you're exhausted in one respect, but on the other hand, you feel so rejuvenated and and light, like so much weight has been lifted off your shoulders. But I was I was definitely ready to get home, mm-hmm. so I climb in my car and I jot down the the steps that I plan to take. Mm-hmm. with my my goals and stuff in the near future. Mm-hmm. And the things that I've been rehearsing in my head to make sure that I wouldn't forget. And um I wrote that down and then I also made little notes on um about the experience like tracking what, where my mood was at cuz mm-hmm. it's a roller
0: coaster ride. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And did you make significant fi- did you have significant findings in yourself like hey man sometimes i get too frustrated sometimes i get too agitated sometimes oh yeah i need to be calm or i need to be more aware of the person in front of me
1: yeah so going back to the shift mm-hmm. I-, I would say uh, a majority of my priorities shifted mm-hmm. going into it i mean one of the main reasons i went was because i heard that mindfulness is going to give me a tool in my career and i've been waiting my whole life for this opportunity so i want any edge i can get Edge, right? Yeah, edge, edge, that's gonna, it's, it's, This is going to give me the edge. Is that yep. like the
0: complete opposite of reason you go? Exactly, <laughs>
1: exactly. And it, it just had me reevaluate my priorities and what's really important in life. Um, the first few items on my list has to do with family and I'm trying to move my mom and dad over here. So, my goal is oh, to buy them a house in the next year.
0: That's awesome. Thank that you. That is awesome. Thank you. I love that.
1: So, personally. I noticed that I'm a lot calmer mm. and I'm a lot more in control of my thoughts. So going into it, I was super analytical, which is good professionally, but it's a double-edged sword. It can turn against you and then you get hypercritical of yourself. Oh, yeah. So I've got more, much more control over that little voice inside my head and I'm a lot calmer. I realized that Well, the whole purpose of Vipassana, of not reacting to things. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I understand the principles of it. Like, life is full of ups and downs. At the same time, you have to remain in the present moment because that's all you ever have. So if you get too high when times are good, then you might get attached to the way it's feeling in that moment Mm -hmm. and then nothing lasts forever so that when balance gets back restored and you're not you know you're going downhill or you're going on the down slope you're not craving the way that you felt when when you were on top of like when things were going well
0: the cravings associated with those actions right right yeah
1: so so basically all unhappiness stems from your cravings you're either craving something you don't have or you're wishing you didn't have something that you do. And when you take either one of those approaches, you're not happy. And there's nothing you can do in the present moment except observe reality as it is because that's all you have is the present moment. And if you're if you're getting plagued by things in the past, it's real in the sense that yes, something happened to you, but it's not real in the sense of you can't go back there.
0: That's right.
1: That's right. So you don't crave something that you've lost. You don't crave something that you don't have. You learn to be content in the moment and accept reality for as the way that it is, not how you want it to be, not the way you think it should be, but learning to be happy in the moment. And at the same time going back to the roller coaster analogy. So your mind, the way that the human body is designed, an external stimulus will occur. Let's say somebody cuts you off in traffic. The human body is hardwired in such a way that it will immediately just naturally start secreting these chemicals they're going to cause you to have like a a response to to the external stimuli so somebody cuts you off in traffic boom the the hormones start getting released to put you in a bad mood with vipassana you're more sensitive to the sensations as they occur so that when you feel that, dr- that jolt of adrenaline, mm-hmm. you don't have to react. And if you don't mm-hmm. react, then you kind of interrupt this process that just happens to you naturally. And now, when things go bad, you're not, your mood's not going down with them. Mm-hmm. Because you're able to interrupt this cycle that a lot of people are just not aware of. Right. And it keeps you calm across the board. It's easy to understand if you draw a diagram, but mm-hmm. if you just imagine the uh, like a wavelength, the ups and downs, the the peaks and the troughs of of life, the way that the the mind works is it reacts to things. Mm-hmm. So if you're just going through life blindly, not awake, you're you're reacting to things as they happen to you and you're not doing anything to prevent yourself from just riding the roller coaster mm-hmm. and being happy when things are great and being upset when things are not great right. and by definition because there's ups and downs you're going to spend a lot of time unhappy
0: that's right
1: at least half your time and probably more oh yeah so what vipassana does is it it interrupts the the cycle something bad happens to you your body has this instinctual response to it and it releases the the hormones or the chemicals they're going to fuel whatever action your body needs to take like the fight or flight response right so what vipassana gives you the ability to do is to be more in tune with your body so that when those sensations hit you can decide whether you react to them or not so somebody cuts you off in traffic you're pissed Mm -hmm. you can literally feel the sensation I feel something like in my chest, where it's like the adrenaline rush, mm-hmm. and if you're not paying attention, you will blindly react to that, and now your whole mood has changed to one of anger. Mm-hmm. Whereas, Vipassana teaches you to be equ- equanimous.
0: Yeah, equanimity. <laughs> yeah,
1: I've never heard that word used so no, many I, times in my right life.
0: Now. now you you know it forever.
1: Right? Exactly. So it just it helps you remain neutral, so that. When something, something in life happens to you, you can say, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's great. It's universe, It's useful universally. If you go into a negotiation, it'll help you have a poker face. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: And also, it, it sharpens your mind. What do they say? You become the master of your mind, and we're, they're purifying it at the mm-hmm. same time. So not only are you more in tune with your body and able to have more control over your mood, but it's actually, your thinking is faster. Mm. Because during this 10, day, you've pu- 10 days, you've purified your mind, letting all this, processing all the this bad stuff that you've right. dealt with that might be weighing you down. Right. And you've also sharpened your mind because now you're going from not even realizing your breathing to you feel every little sensation on your body. And even to the point where you can just feel like vibrations if you're still enough for long enough.
0: Right. So that was amazing. The breakdown was great. Thank you very much. I think it stems from, and look, no one's perfect. I'm not, I went to Vipassana. I don't want to say it means nothing. It certainly means something. It helped me tremendously. But no one's perfect. It's an evolution. You're working on it. You're always trying to get better. When you leave Vipassana, they say you got to meditate for an hour in the morning and an hour at night. Now, I certainly don't do an hour in the morning or an hour <laughs> night, but I still do meditate daily. Right. So I think what, what John said, it all stems from awareness. Like there's so many things we're not aware of, but because now we're hyper alert of awareness, we're more in tune with what happens when someone cuts us off. And you have like a dial and you can decide, do I want to go there or am I going to turn that dial down? Because it's not going to help you to be upset and pissed. So you have a little bit more control over those emotions that can come up at the most inopportune time. And I think that's a really powerful thing. In life, business, call it anything. Relationships. So now you leave, John. And I need, before we go, I've had you on here for over an hour. What would you tell people who are thinking about this? To close this podcast episode, what are you thinking, uh, or, or what would you tell people? What would you share with people who, people who are contemplating doing it, or people who have no idea, and may or could and could benefit? What would you tell them? What would you share with them?
1: Unequivocally, I would say do it, mm-hmm. because I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. And if there's any selling points, look at the fact that this is a global organization. They've got, I don't know how many centers, but in countries all over the world. Right. They host thousands, if not millions of people a year. Mm-hmm. And all of it is funded by the people that have been through this process. They don't, they don't have any, this organization doesn't have any, nobody else is bankrolling it.
0: No marketing. No marketing, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. It's word of mouth, basically. So that should tell you something. And the lessons, which we didn't get too deep into it, but they're also universal. I mean, it's not gonna conflict with any of your religious beliefs. It's not gonna conflict it incorporates science. It incorporates psychology. It's basically you as as an aspiring attorney, I can't argue with it. You know, it's all it makes a pretty airtight case as to its benefits. It's it's very logical and i would also and they say you know don't take our word for it don't take our word for it Mm -hmm. just have your own experience and judge it for yourself so i would look at the people who are recommending it to you Mm -hmm. and consider their the source i would look at the the financial component of it and then i would do a little bit of research into what vipassana actually is Mm -hmm. and the principles Mm -hmm and see if that coincides with with your beliefs, and I'm willing to bet that it would. So one of the things that occurred to me while I was there and the others that I spoke with, you go through at least 12 years of a formal education, and then you start work. You never take time to decide or to contemplate these things and to learn about what's really important you just kinda go through, go with the flow through life. Right. And if I, I'm telling you, you have an opportunity to take 10 days, which is such a, an insignificant amount of time in the grand scheme of things, and for a minimal investment of your time, you have a tremendous amount of potential gains. Yeah. And I don't think you'll ever make as much progress doing anything else, anywhere, as you will in the 10 days here. I mean, I jokingly said that it's probably the equivalent of two years of therapy, and
0: I think it's more than that. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that several times. Um, I see people go through therapy, read books, podcasts, self-help, Tony Robbins seminars, and I haven't seen anything like the shift in people that happens post Vipassana, 10 days. I, I just haven't seen it.
1: I agree and and i was one of those people reading all these personal development books listening to all the podcasts and they're great i'm not going to take anything away from that they they had their place yeah exactly but i can tell you this if i'm only going to take one thing with me it's going to be vipassana yeah and i'm i'm not going to stop my outside education but i'm going to delve deeper into this before i look elsewhere
0: that's awesome well man i can't thank you enough for coming on recapping the whole thing sharing a lot of personal things and um just shedding a little bit of light on the vipassana experience in itself and hopefully people listen to this and maybe they take this step and it can better it, their lives and you pay it forward.
1: absolutely do it and thank you for having me yeah, man. absolutely i've listened to a lot of these episodes i know the caliber of people you have on here so to be included in that group it's an honor
0: just like you thank you so much uh, thank, you. Thank, thank you thank you mark it's been a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure having you on Thanks.
1: likewise yeah.